So, um, you know, we're, we, we continue to look at what happened during this, this last part of the, uh, the gospel of Mark. Uh, what happened on the day that, that Jesus was executed on the cross. We, you know, last week we saw how the, uh, the Jewish leaders handed Jesus over to the, uh, the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, how, how Pilate, um, really didn't see anything that Jesus had done that would make him worthy of, of a death sentence. But, you know, he wanted to please the people. He, he wanted to avoid a, a riot. So he, it says, deliver Jesus to be crucified. Anyway, at this point, you know, we, we really see Jesus as the, uh, the suffering servant who was prophesied about in, uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah 53. Uh, you know, some, some critics of Christianity see the crucifixion and they, they see it as, as evidence of, of failure. They, they say that Jesus was a, a hopeful but unsuccessful revolutionary who got himself killed in the end. End of story, they say. Well, they're, they're wrong. That's not the end of the story. All that happened, all that happened was part of God's plan. It was, it was prophesied in the Old Testament. You know, Paul, when he, uh, when he talks about what is the gospel, you know, we hear this word gospel all the time. You know, what, what is the gospel? Paul gives us a, a very concise definition of, of what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians 15. You know, he, he says that uh, Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried according to the scripture. He was raised, that he, that he appeared to uh, you know, several hundred people. But you know, the, the, the point is where Paul says, according to the scripture, you know, this, from, from the beginning, from, from the early chapters of Genesis, the Bible unfolds as the story of, of God's redemptive plan for, for sinful people. Anyway, for sinful people, you know, those, those of us, all of us who, who rebelled, who've turned their backs on God. And so we continue this morning in Mark chapter 15. We're going to start uh, with verse 21. And, uh, you know, what, I, what I'd like for us to see is what Jesus suffered on our behalf. You know, that he endured uh, mockery, that he endured pain and torture, and that he died, and uh, that he did it for us. You know, next, next week we're going to uh, talk about the resurrection. Now, you may, you may say, well, my, my timing was poor here. You know, Easter's coming up at, at the end of the month. Well, we're going to talk about the resurrection next week and on, on Easter. We, we can't talk too much about the resurrection. Yeah, we, we celebrate every time we get up out of bed and, and we, we know that we have the, the living Christ in us. And we celebrate it every time we get together. You know, because Jesus is alive. So this is just the first half of the story, you know, and, and uh, in, a, in a way, you know, you, you feel like, well, we don't want to leave Jesus there in the tomb and, and you know, ha- have to wait a whole week to get back to it. But that's just the way, the way it is. That's just the way it is. Read with me. Mark 15, starting in verse 21. 
Okay, they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who came who, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, and he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. And with him, they crucified two robbers, one on his right, one on his left, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads, saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. And also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see him and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour came, there was darkness all over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene the Mary, and, and Mary, the mother of James the Younger and of Joseph and Salome. And when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph bought a linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, as as we see this this picture of, of what you did on our behalf, what you accomplished on the cross, Lord, we... We can only bow humbly in in appreciation, Lord. We we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
So let's look at what Jesus endured for us. That's what we're going to talk about, what Jesus went through. You know, the first, first, uh, he was mocked. He was mocked. He was derided. Uh, last week we saw that when Pilate handed Jesus over to the Roman soldiers, uh, they made sport of him. You know, they you know, essentially said, okay, king of the Jews, let's, let's see how you do this. You know, they, they put on him a, a purple robe, you know, purple being the, the color of, of kingship and, and majesty. They fashioned a, a crown out of thorns, out of thorns, and they, they jammed it onto his, his skull and his, his face. You know, they, they crafted a, a royal scepter out of a reed, and they, they beat his head with it, and they spat on him, and they mocked him and saluted him, saying, Hail the king of the Jews. So the soldiers mocked him before putting him on the cross. They, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes back on him, leading him to the cross. And they took his clothes and cast lots to see who would have them. And they put him on the cross naked. They did everything they could to, to shame our Lord and, and to uh, make him appear as, as a, a despicable criminal, which is how they saw him. It was common to put a sign up on the cross to, uh, to let people know as, as they walked by and saw a criminal hanging there dying what the, uh, what the offense was, what the charge was against him. And this, this sign also made a mockery of, of Jesus' kingship, of his claims to be the Son of God. It says, the King of the Jews... The king of the Jews. You know, elsewhere it says that the Jewish leaders took offense to that and tried to convince Pilate to change that to read. He said he was the king of the Jews, but Pilate did not change the sign. Jesus was crucified with with two other men, criminals. Mark says they were robbers. And and these these two men who were guilty, who were being crucified as well, they they mocked Jesus. They derided him. You know, imagine that as as you're dying on a cross, mocking, mocking the the Lord. People who were passing by, it says, also mocked him. They scoffed and and demeaned him. It says they they wagged their heads. You know, literally, they, they moved their heads or, or they moved their heads around, you know, shaking their heads in, in derision, you know, moving their heads as to give emphasis to their scoffing. You know, they, they said, you know, aha, you said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Yeah, look at you now. You know, let's, let's see you do that. You know, they... They're looking at him saying, you know, it doesn't look like you're going to be able to, to do that. It doesn't look like you have much control over what's going on. Let's see you come down from the cross. Let's see if you can save yourself. You know, maybe, maybe then we'll believe you. Maybe then we'll, we'll, we'll see some credibility here. Well, why did Jesus subject himself to this? You know, he, he could have easily vindicated himself right then and there. You know, isn't... Isn't that what we would want to do? 
but he didn't. He was treated like a common criminal. But he was, he, he is the king. But his kingship was shrouded. He was, and he was despised by the very people he, he came to save. The very people he came to save. You know, John in, the, in his gospel begins by talking about Jesus being rejected by, by his own people, the ones he created. Isaiah 53, 2 and 3 says of Jesus, He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and and we esteemed him not. You know, hundreds of years prior, Isaiah wrote this about this, this very thing that was happening. Jesus being mocked, being derided, being despised. So the mockery he he suffered was was just the beginning, you know, in in addition to the shame and the humiliation that Jesus went through that was thrust upon him. Jesus suffered physically. He he suffered tremendously. Um you know this this day that that Jesus was crucified in in the the church calendar it, what is it called good friday easter's the day of the resurrection yeah fr- the the friday before is is you know called good friday and uh you know we we can look back and call it good friday because we know what the outcome was uh, from our vantage point we you know we could see a a, a bittersweetness about it did you know that um, in the Arabic-speaking Christian churches, uh, this this Friday is called Sad Friday. It's it's the day when when the King of Glory suffered and and died. Sad Friday. Yeah, you know, we already talked about the uh, the pre-crucifixion pain that the soldiers inflicted on Jesus. And uh, you know, Mark's style is 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 abbreviated. He doesn't get into the details as much as the other gospel writers. Luke, in his gospel, talks about how the soldiers blindfolded Jesus and and beat him and further mocked him, you know, saying, "Prophesy, who who struck you?" You know, the inflicted pain was it was cruel. You know, think of the. The thorns being pressed into his his head. Think of the the beating that he took, the the bloodiness. Jesus suffered excruciating pain. You know the the word excruciating pain, by the way, comes from the same root as the word crucify. And again, Jesus didn't have to allow this. Remember in the garden when, when Jesus was arrested, uh, Peter pulled out a sword and cut off the ear of uh, the high priest's servant. And uh, Jesus told Peter, put put the sword away. He said, you know, if, if he wanted, he could ask the Father who would send more than 12 legions of angels. You've heard that song, right? He, he could have called 10,000 angels, uh, right? Well, the Roman legion was uh, 6,000 soldiers, so seven or excuse me, 12 legions would be 72,000 
in case you wanted to know. Jesus said, you know, if, if I wanted, I could, I, could, I could not go through this, but this was part of the plan, very important part of the plan. So Jesus suffered the cruel pain inflicted on him willingly. He suffered on our behalf. And then they killed him. They killed him. You know, Mark transitions by saying that now on the sixth hour, the sixth hour is noon. And it got dark. It says it was dark for three hours. It was dark in the middle of the day. You know, it says that darkness covered the land until the ninth hour. You know, we've all we've all seen when a really thick, heavy storm comes in and, and it gets very, very dark during the day. You know, so so dark that if you're indoors you need to you need to turn the lights on and it's it's eerie. But there's something significant, something very significant happening here with with this darkness. And I think it was a much deeper, darker darkness than what what I'm talking about with the storms. You know, more than just a natural phenomenon. You know, I think there's a, a theological significance here. In the Old Testament scriptures, uh, darkness. Descending on the earth refers to judgment, God's judgment on sin. We see that in Exodus, you know, when one of the plagues on Egypt was uh, darkness for three days. Exodus twelve twenty one says, The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. A darkness to be felt, it says. You know, a, a palpable Darkness, just like this this darkness in Egypt, you know, darkness so thick it could be felt. You know, this darkness is a sign of, of judgment that was put on Jesus on our behalf. He he took the judgment of the Father for our sins upon himself in our place. You know, those we who who are sinful, we are the ones who deserve the judgment. We're the ones that deserve the death. You know, and after three hours of darkness, Jesus cries out with a loud voice that says, the shout of anguish, of pleading with the Father. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. In everyday language, my God, my God, how have you for, or why have you forsaken me? He's, he's quoting the Psalms here. He's quoting Psalm 22, 1. Which says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night I find no rest. This is the anguished cry of the Son to the Father. The Son, as he's bearing our, our sins, as the Father turned his face away from him, taking this, this judgment upon himself, Jesus facing hell, facing separation from the Father in our place, on our behalf. I think this is hard for us to grasp. The extent of it. Being forsaken by the Father. You know, this suffering was greater than than any physical suffering that anybody could go through. 
greater than the, the great anguish of physical suffering that Jesus was going through. This is something that we can never trivialize. You know, it says that some of the bystanders who heard Jesus cry to the Father thought he was calling for Elijah. They think that Jesus is, is calling out for Elijah to rescue him from the, the cross. And the Jews had a superstitious view of Elijah and considered him to be sort of a, 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 pa- a patron saint of uh, lost causes. But Elijah wasn't going to come. In fact, we know Elijah already had come. Remember back in chapter 9 when the disciples asked Jesus about Elijah, nine eleven, they asked him, why did the scribes say that Elijah must first come? And he said to them, Elijah does come to re- first to restore all things, and how it is written that the Son of Man, that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased as it is written of him. You know, Jesus was talking about John the Baptist, who was murdered by Herod. John the Baptist was killed because he proclaimed the truth. And now they're killing Jesus. You know, whether whether they really wanted to see if Elijah would come or if they were just mocking him, you know, Jesus maintained his his resolve to lay down his life for us, to suffer and die for us. Someone tried to give him some... Uh, Sour wine on a sponge. You know, many commentaries say that uh, this this would be kind of an anesthetic to to help him deal with with the pain. We read in another gospel account that that Jesus refused this. You know, he he did not shrink from death. He did not shrink from suffering. He took the full amount of suffering, uh, not desiring, not needing uh, a painkiller. And finally, it says Jesus breathed his last breath. Death had come. He submitted himself to death, which for all of mankind is the consequence of sin. Romans 6.32 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, the the sinless one, the, the spotless lamb that, took on death for us the the gift of god you know eternal life through through jesus christ made available through his perfect sacrifice second corinthians 5:19 says that in christ god was reconciling the world to himself not counting their tres- trespasses against them you know jesus came to set everything right, to, to bring reconciliation between God and humankind. You know, our, our sin had caused us to be separated from God, you know, a holy God. And Jesus' sacrifice in our place made it possible for us once again, once again, to come to God, to be with him. And we see what what happened next. It says the uh, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now this this curtain was was very thick, several inches thick, and it was eighty feet high. 
This veil was torn from top to bottom. This was a supernatural act. And it makes, this, it makes a very significant statement here. You know, this, this uh, curtain, this veil had, had been in place to keep the Holy of Holies where the high priest would go once a year to make an atoning sacrifice for sin. God is opening that up, giving us all access to the Father through Jesus. You know, this is, this is a very vivid picture of the atonement, you know, which means at one meant, at one meant, you know, between God and, and humanity. You know, the, the, the priest can no longer rope the people off. As the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews, I don't have the chapter here. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The salvation of God through Jesus Christ is available to all. It's available to all sinners. That's all of us. You know, the, the righteousness of Jesus is something through which we can, we can stand. We can kneel before a holy God. You know, we don't any longer need to go through a human priest. Through Jesus, we, we have direct access to God. And salvation is available to all the Jews, Gentiles. Look, look at how it, it's, it's a Roman centurion, a Gentile, a pagan, who makes a very profound statement here. He acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God. Remember when, remember when Peter acknowledged that, Jesus, you are, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, the Spirit of God. That's what's happening with this centurion acknowledging that Jesus is truly the Son of God. You know, back to the central theme in, in Mark. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's truly the Son of God. He is, as John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the one who suffered and died for us. John 3.16 says... For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus died. And then they buried him. Jesus, uh, to the onlookers, looked like a failure. You know, he'd been killed in a story. So they thought. You know, one of, one of the members of the, uh, the council, a Jew, who had con- condemned Jesus, asked for his body, Joseph of Arimathea. You know, he was a respected member of this council. 
And interesting, it says he was looking for the kingdom of God. He was, he was a seeker. And he asked Pilate for Jesus' body. He provided a grave. And um, you know, we, know, we know from uh, the other gospel accounts that this Joseph of Arimathea was secretly a disciple of Jesus. And he had not consented to the decision and, and the action of the Sanhedrin. Verse 55, this is kind of cool. It says, The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. They then returned and prepared spices and ointments. Notice, guys, notice how the the men had scattered. They ran away. Who stuck around? It was the women. You know, it it was the women who witness the death of Jesus on the cross. It was also the women, by the way, who were the first witnesses to his resurrection. You know, this this is a great tribute to the kind of love that, love and dedication that, that these women had for, for him. Um, that's something significant in the, these gospel stories is, you know, how women who were Jesus' disciples figure so prominently. You know, God is, God is a God of inclusion. God offers salvation to men and women, to Jews and Gentiles, to slave and, and free. You know, all people, each human, each individual is valuable to God. He, he loves us all. Well, the enemy, Satan. I think he thought I had. I think he thought he had won at this point. The religious leaders and the Romans thought that this was the end of Jesus. And we're going to end the story, this portion of the story, with Jesus in the tomb. And praise God, this is not the end of the story. The tomb cannot hold him. But that's that's for us to talk about next week. Next week, what did Jesus endure for us so much? He willingly submitted himself to be mocked and derided, to be made fun of, to to be beaten and suffer and, and killed. John 1, 10 through 11 says, He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. He he took this mockery, this revilement and derision, derision that was meant for a criminal. You know, he, he took what we deserved upon himself. He he endured this suffering and shame that should have been ours. Beaten, whipped, nailed to the cross in a tremendous act of, of cruelty. He died for us, taking our sins upon himself on the cross so that we could be reconciled with God, so that we can be right with God, so that we can have a relationship with with God, our, our Heavenly Father, the sin and rebellion that had separated us from God, hanging on the cross. And he did it. Out of love for us, amazing. And we sing that song, Amazing Grace.
How sweet the sound that he would save a wretch like me. Let me, let me continue that, that passage in John 1. It says he was in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own. His people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You know, how, how great is his love that, he, that we should be called the, the sons of God, the children of God. Um, yeah, I wonder, is, is there anybody here this morning who, who has not received Jesus, who has not believed in him? You know, if that would describe you, uh, I, I would like to invite you to say yes, yes that free gift of eternal life, I will, I will take it. I will yield my life to you, Jesus. If that's you, you know, today's the day of salvation and I'd like to, I'd like to talk to you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for enduring the, the mockery, the pain, the injury, and, and even death so that we can come to God, so that our sins can be forgiven if, if we receive Jesus and, and believe in him. Lord, we, we know that we didn't and we don't deserve your, your love, but, but you loved us nonetheless. And, and for that, Lord, uh, we are grateful. Lord, we thank you that the story did not end with the tomb. You, you conquered death. You, you left the grave. Uh, you, you ascended into heaven in glory. So, Lord, in, in praise of your glory, you are... The Lord of glory, we thank you. Amen.